You're unbelievable. No. Go, go. I wouldn't do that. No. No. What not to do? You're unbelievable. Hi, welcome back to What Not To Do. I am Tristan Noel LeClaire, and I am so happy that you are here. Uh, Okay, so much to talk about. One, this is me re-recording and republishing this episode. So if you saw it come up on your Spotify or your Apple podcast yesterday and then vanish, this is why. It's because I played back the episode last night or started to, and it the intro was such fucking drivel about me going on and on and on about this asshole ignoring me essentially and the feelings that it brought up in me and um how I was working through it and working through my deep male emotional wounds and having this amazing epiphany that part was all good but the fact that I was spending so much time talking about this guy that literally does not give two shits about me (laughs) I, I I had to scrap the whole thing and I scrapped it after I only had one play so who to whomever had to listen to that terrible intro to this podcast Whoever you are, you know what? You're probably not, you're probably, you probably turned it off. You probably listened for like two minutes and was like, this bitch is so fucking dumb that she's giving this guy this much attention and trying to learn lessons from this guy. Like, I cannot hear her go on. And and I just want to apologize to you. And if you come back and give me another chance and stick around, I swear I have better things to offer you and I can do better. Okay. I can do better. And really, what I've noticed about myself is I get these intense crushes on men and I become like my desire for them sexually outweighs any logic. Okay. It's un, it's illogical that even if I were to actually bang these dudes that I get these crushes on, I'm, I'm telling you, I get this epic crush and it's like, I get an epic crush one crush every nine years or something. But they're, these crushes are so intense. It's like no matter what I'm doing to this man in my head and whatever he's doing to me, there's no way that it could compare in real life. And I, I, need, to call, I need to call it what it is. It's like I am so in love with the fantasy of what something could be and that I really pay no attention to the reality of what something is or what this person could possibly offer me. And it's – I'm I'm over it. I'm so done. You know, me I'm like, yes, do I promote having crushes? Yes, because life without a crush is sad. But now that I'm officially in no crush zone, I've been in no crush zone for like how long now, guys? I haven't had a crush in like 4 months. I don't want to tell you when the last time was I got laid. I am I am I am approaching like within a within a relatively short amount of time here. Okay, I'm going to be approaching one year of celibacy, (laughs) okay, against my will because (laughs) there's there's literally been no man that I've gone on a date with that, like, I even remotely want to sleep with and I have a high sex drive. I, I, I am a sexual person. Like, I want to be banging somebody, 
But like, I am also, I guess, the world's most pickiest person. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm just going to assume that like nobody worthy enough has come into my life and there is a definite reason behind it. Okay. But pray for me because girl's not okay. We're not, I'm, girl's not okay. <laughs> now it's gone so long that like, I don't, I don't, I'm like, is this even a part of me anymore? <laughs> like, who is she? I don't know. Who was that girl? Um, so I'm just saying if you are, if you are single and you're female and you're sexless, you're not alone. It's like, there's a, an epidemic going on. Do I know people that are single and having sex? Yes, I do. Do I know far more people that are single and not having sex? True. Also true. So don't feel bad if this is you. Um, Okay, so I wanted to tell you this story about going to, I'm probably going to butcher the name of this, but it's called a Epiony, okay? Or Epony, I don't know what it's called. Anyways, it's where all the Kardashians go for their fillers. And I've been following this guy on Instagram for a while now. And what he does with a needle is absolutely insane. And am I rich? No. Am I vain? Yes. This is the problem, okay? So I'm thinking, okay, I'm moving. And I really just want, would love to sit down in front of one of these, this man who's essentially an artist because to look at a face and just to kind of see like, okay, if I tweak here, this will happen. If I tweak here, this will happen. If I tweak, I'm like, I really want someone to look at my face, pick it apart, completely scrutinize it and be like, this is how we're going to fix you. Like I want someone to Frankenstein me basically, but like in the best way, because the work that this man does is crazy good. They don't look like cat people. They look just like, especially Kim. Kim, Kim to me is goat. Kim is goat. You know, she is spending so much money and she does everything and she gets everything done. Doesn't look like it though. Her face still looks stunning. Okay. She doesn't look overdone at all. Okay. So anyways, I go make the appointment. You have to put $500 down just to get the appointment. I go all the way to Beverly Hills. Okay. The office is gorgeous. Uh, the staff are all supermodels. Not kidding. Um, they make, they first, you know, I get called back. I get taken into a room. They take my photos side, side, front side, whatever, turn like four different angles. That woman walks me in. She asks me my concerns. I tell her everything I hate about my face to the detail, down to the detail. Um, and there's quite a bit. Okay. And then she walks out. Then another woman walks in and was like, okay, this is what we're thinking. Um, and she's like, I'm like, she's just going to put a little here. She points to my temples. We're going to do this to the bridge of your nose to kind of like straighten it out. And then for your the area of your concern, you know, we'll put a little bit in your chin and like a little bit in your mandible. But you don't need much. You just need a tiny bit here, a tiny bit here, a tiny bit here. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. I really thought that I was going to walk in here and you guys were going to be like, we can help you. But it's, but it's, you know, it's going to be a lot. And she's like, no, no, honey, what do you need? You're fine. You just need a little here, a little here, a little there. I'm like, oh, I'm so relieved. Okay. She's like, okay, I'll have so-and-so come back and they'll go over pricing with you. And then if you decide to move forward, we'll numb you up and we'll get you going. And I'm like, yes. I'm like thinking, I'm going to walk out of this office. I'm going to be fucking stunning. This is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Okay. Now, two, two points, two facts to point out here. One. On their Instagram, underneath these like amazing transformations, okay, you see uh, this little, it says price point and it will say, it says $3,500 to 
dollars and they'll like some of them they're getting a full you know they're getting their full face redone they walk out looking like completely different people or i'll see on you know instagram or tiktok these like tiktok reels where you know a woman's face completely changes simply by injectables and the doctor quoting it will say this is a ten thousand dollar face and this keep in mind injectables last maybe a year okay they'll say one to five years they don't I don't know. I don't know anyone whose injectables lasted like five years and still looks good or whatever. My body, if I've, I got injectables three years ago, literally lasted like eight months. Okay. <laughs> because I work out all the time. So it's pointless. Um, so anyways, she comes back in and she's like, the, the new, a new girl comes back in. They have top row and then like a second row. And she's like, if you pick this row and there's a number by it, it says 5,500, your results will last one to four years she's like this row this solution your results will last two to six years and she's like and they've they've all said this to me where we don't use like juvederm or wrestling or anything we use a solution that promotes collagen growth so the thing that we're putting in your in your body is different than anything that you've been subjected to before so i already kind of knew in my head like okay this is different my body's going to break this down differently like if it's a higher price point because my body will hang on to it that's fine so now i'm thinking okay i'm definitely like in the high end of what instagram is quoting <laughs> for this price right on this sheet there's four areas marked so i had my temples and then you know i was going to do a little bit my chin my mandible and then the bridge of my nose so there's four kind of highlighted areas and then i have to choose the row so I don't know if you're putting this together yet. Each area is either $5,500 or $6,500. So just to get my face done in injectables, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, and you're good to go, quote unquote, $22,000 for something that wasn't even permanent. Oh, and then they highlighted this $8,500 laser that they think that I should get. I was speechless. I'm not foreign to plastic surgery, injectables, Botox, like I, I, threads. Like I'm not, th I'm not that I get everything done, but I'm very well educated. I would almost like, it, it's a hobby. Okay. Plastic surgery is like a hobby. So even though I don't get things done, I fantasize about winning the lottery and getting everything done. Okay. But I, I really was like, I looked up at her and I, I go, I'm like, I, I couldn't even form a sentence. I was like, I, I, I can't afford this. I grossly underestimated how much this would cost. <laughs> and she's like, it's okay. We're not going anywhere. She's like, you know, email this, email this woman. She hands me a business card. They, by the way, these people could not have been nicer. They were the classiest, nicest people. They didn't make you feel like you were not supposed to be there. They brought you Fiji, ice cold Fiji water on a tray with a silver tray with a straw and a napkin. The whole fucking nine kept asking me if I want a cappuccino. So I'm like, I don't want a cappuccino. I just want to be beautiful. Um, so she's gave me the business card. They walked me out and, and I left. I basically flew out of that office. <laughs> flew. And I was just like, you know what, God? I feel like you're telling me not to fuck with my shit. So I am going to take your sign here and I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to fuck with my shit. And I'm so happy that I went because it was killing me and I wanted to know what area specifically they would hit and what they were going to do. And I got the information and it, and they didn't wind up charging me for, the consult, the $500. So I felt really excited about that. Uh, but anyways, uh, that's just a, a story for you. I thought you might enjoy. On today's pod, we are talking uh, finances and getting your financial shit together. And I had a lot of questions, basically like, where do I even start? 
and we go over it. And this woman, Wendy, is amazing. And she's basically figured out how to retire and live life on her own terms and be financially free by the age of 41 as a single mom of two little boys. So she's super inspirational and has a lot of information to share. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. Again, please like, share, tag your friends, share your favorite episode with your friends. Follow me on Instagram on the podcast is at what not to do PC. I will see you guys over there. Enjoy. Mwah. After divorce and death of family members, Wendy Verway. Am I saying that correctly? Very close. Verway. Uh, Verway? Yes, took control of her money once and for all and was able to retire at 41 as a single mom. How did she do it? By simplifying her life. Wendy used her free, that's an acronym, free, F-R-E-E, framework to create a life she doesn't need a vacation from. Now as the host of the Fire Yourself First podcast and her online courses, she teaches others to use what they know, have, and do to create freedom for themselves. Welcome to the podcast, Wendy. I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, thanks, Tristan. It's great to be here. Yay. I'm so happy that we finally got it together. Uh, (laughs) I had had Wendy scheduled to come on earlier this week. And um, I, I, what I think I, I like slept. I like slept right <laughs> through it, which is like a theme. If you listen to my podcast, it's like I'm always like catching a nap or like trying to get back to sleep because I have a I have trouble sleeping at night. So yeah. thank you for being patient with me. Um, okay, so my first question to you is actually, what is it? What does the word retire mean to you? Because I know that you mean retire from your corporate gig, but you're still like podcasting and coaching and doing all of that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's interesting when I first retired and I, I posted this Facebook post and just, I, I called it like, okay, I'm coming out. I retired. And, <laughs> and people were like, well, you're too young to retire. That doesn't make any sense. But, you know, looking at the word retire and what it actually means, I mean, retirement traditionally, and again, the concept of retirement is a fairly new concept. Um, it, you know, talks about when you're 65, then you can start drawing your pension. That's really all the word retirement means in the setting of, you know, financial world, all of that kind of stuff. Um, But really, like, we never actually retire from life, right? (laughs) Retirement to me does not mean just sitting on a beach or playing golf all all day, or any of those kinds of things. Because as a single mom, you know, youngish. Um, I've got stuff I still want to do. And it doesn't mean that I can't do those things. It just means I get to choose which of those things I get to do, who I do them with, when I do them, all of that kind of stuff. So that's what retirement means to me. It means having a choice of who I work with, what I work on. Um, I do work that doesn't actually feel like work. And it took me a little while to get there because when I left the corporate job, I feel like I needed to decondition for a while. <laughs> Because I didn't know how to not be busy and how to not, you know, have something to do all the time. Um, and so I really had to just sort of play for a little while. I had to force myself to play. I did some kayaking and hiking and just kind of like let my days flow. And over time, people started to recognize they're like, what are you doing? Like, it's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. How are you going kayaking right now? And so I started teaching them some of the the money fundamentals that I put into place, um, you know, teaching people how to take control of their personal finance and realizing that they have a lot more than they realize in a lot of cases um, and how to use that to their advantage versus, you know, 
being a slave to a job day in and day out that's sucking your soul and taking the best years of your life. Um, there are lots of different ways to live. And so, yeah, so now I get to teach people because they kept asking. So that's, no, that's great. I, so yeah, <laughs> I, I really wanted like a money strategist or a financial expert to come on the podcast to sp- talk specifically to women that are single moms, which obviously you are. So this works, um, but, but who, who maybe they, I don't want to like, I don't want to necessarily correlate being in a corporate job with it feeling like soul sucking. Cause some people are in corporate jobs and it pays their bills and it's, you know, on their table and that's great. And the security of that, it really works for them. So not everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur or a personal coach or have their own, you know, their own business and their own way of making money. A lot of people do find uh, safety and fulfillment in being employed by others. So my really, what I am most curious about is, just you're finally kind of getting on your own. Maybe you're exiting divorce, you're a single mom and you have no idea like where to start with your finances so that you can, I mean, forget even, you know, the pipe dream of generational wealth, but just like making sure that you have your own retirement taken care of, or your kids need something. So you have backup money. Like where, where does the woman start? That's like just figuring all this out. Yes. So first of all, thank you for making that caveat (laughs) because yeah, I'm not, I'm not anti-job in any way, shape or form. Um, I just want people to live a life that's true to their values and and what they want in their lives, whatever shape that takes. Absolutely. So thank you for saying that. Um, So the first place that I started and that I get clients to start with is just tracking something, Mm. just simply tracking something. So when I started out, I was looking at, so I had, I call it my country song year where, um, you know, 2017, 2018, my husband left and then my dad died and then my father-in-law died and then my dog died <laughs> and yeah. everything happened around here, Wendy. Okay. So. Right. Oh, I know. I know. I know that your listeners, they get it. Right? <sighs> just having all of that all at once. And I'm like, I, I felt like my life was totally out of control. So I'm looking at, well, what can I actually control? And even if I didn't feel like I could control my money or my time or my energy, I could write down where I was spending money. And so I literally went to the dollar store and got the smallest notebook I could find and carried it around with me. And every time I spent any money or money came into me, I would write it down. Like I just, it was a plain notebook and I had one column that said out one column that said in, and then I would itemize every expense down to the penny. Um, And if you commit to doing it for one purchase and then maybe one day and then maybe one week and just, it gives you such a great insight into where your money is going right now. Um, You know, and I say, and, you know, coming from the fitness world, right? Like, (laughs) I know, you know, all about tracking. Well, that's what I was going to, I was just thinking, I was just thinking, I'm like, this is like where it starts in fitness and nutrition is you make someone track what they're taking. And so it's kind of hitting me a little funny that like what you're saying, I know to be the truth of the starting point, but why is this so hard? And now I'm laughing at myself (laughs) because I ask clients to do this and they fucking hate it. Okay. And now you're telling me to track my finances. And I'm like, I don't want to. I know. know. You know, I put together a post quite a while ago and it talked about, um, do you have to do the boring things to have a sexy life? Oh yeah. Right. And it's, and it's literally just writing down 
what you're spending. How long do you have? Okay. So how long do you need to track to get the data that you need to kind of figure out what you're spending? So I recommend a month at least because then me a month, a month, we can do this for a month. (laughs) I mean, even if you start with a day, it opens your eyes to, Oh, I'm actually spending this money. Um, and having the little notebook with you. And again, there's so many apps. I've got all kinds of ideas on using apps to track versus just writing it down. Um, and, but even by the end of the day, like every time you pull out that little notebook or every time you pull out your credit card or cash or whatever, it gives you that pause to think about, do I actually need to spend this money? Do I want to spend this money? Does it align with what I want in my life? Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And so even if you do it once (laughs) and see how it feels and it's going to feel uncomfortable, but that's okay because there's a reason it feels uncomfortable. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I'm tracking my money. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then you can start making some decisions, right? So again, looking at it for a month, you you're hitting all of your monthly bills, you know, all the subscriptions have come in, all of that kind of stuff, your Netflix, your Disney plus your, whatever your gym membership, all of these things are coming in. And that's when you can start asking yourself the three questions to change your life and your relationship with money. Um, So you put together all of the information, right? You just kind of look through and see, are there any trends? Are there any categories that you're spending? Yeah. Tristan likes clothes and shoes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. And food. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, so let's talk about food for a second. Yeah. So on my, when I started tracking, I got very, very granular. And this is one of the reasons that I don't like using the apps. Like there's a ton of apps out there. There's like, you need a budget, Mint, um, a lot of banking uh, or banks will have a money tracking app where, you know, if you pay for everything with credit or debit cards, then it tracks it all for you, but it doesn't get to that granular level. So you can't actually see what are you spending? Um you can see the totals, but you can't really make decisions on the really granular things that are going to make a difference. So in my case, I ended up with like five categories of food spending Mm -hmm. every month. And it sounds complicated, but hear me out. (laughs) So I had one category that was groceries, right? So food that I would buy at the grocery store to prepare at home. I had a category for dinners out like restaurant meals if I was going out with friends or on a date or something like that um because that counted as food you better not be paying on the date Wendy oh Oh, no 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 okay Okay. (laughs) let's say girls night okay okay Okay. (laughs) um so you know what I was spending on that because kind of a two-part thing it was a social thing but it was also food that I could have prepared at home right? Mm -hmm. Um, The third category was takeout. So being a mom, being a single mom, you know, working full time, you're tired at the end of the day, uh, or, you know, you're out with the kids and everybody's hungry and they're losing their minds. So you stop at McDonald's and grab whatever. And so that had its own category just because I wanted to see, you know, what were the differences? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, The fourth one was um, lunch at work or school for the kids. Um, you know, if I didn't pack a lunch that day or, you know, went out with a coworker or just needed to grab something 
because I didn't have time to pull it together. Um, then how much was I spending on that? And then the last one was just kind of convenience, junk food, you know, vending machines, mm-hmm. coffee at Starbucks, um, convenience store, that kind of stuff. So I had these five categories of just food and I was looking at the spending. I wasn't looking at the calorie count or anything like that. Um, but just looking at that, I could see very quickly that, yeah, I was spending X amount of dollars at the grocery store to buy all these groceries, but then I ended up throwing half of them out because they went bad before I had a chance to use them because I was too tired and I was buying the junk food (laughs) and supplementing that instead, right? So I could start making some decisions around, do I spend less on groceries because I'm just going to throw them out anyway, or do I buy more convenient groceries, you know, things like a pre-cooked rotisserie chicken instead of chicken breast that I had to do something with. Yeah. Um, you know, do I buy the baby carrots that are already like cut up and, and whatever, um, versus something that I have to prepare. Obviously. Those kinds of things. <laughs> right. Right. Keep it simple people. Yeah. <laughs> Life is busy enough. You don't have to complicate it with making everything super fancy. So just looking at that, I, you know, and then I also looked at like, how does, how does this spending align with the life that I want? I wanted to be healthy and strong and buying all the junk food was not contributing to that at all. Right. So just looking at my spending for the month and seeing the, you know, the variation in spending between those different categories, I could be like, okay, I'm going to stop doing this. and I'm going to start doing this. And then I had some numbers to work with. Right. So then when I started tracking the next month, I could see the numbers change. You know, maybe the budget increased a little bit or the, I hate the word budget because it sounds like diet and it's temporary and restrictive and I hate it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, when I looked at how much I was spending on groceries the next month, maybe it increased because I was buying the good cheese or (laughs) I was buying the rotisserie chicken, but I was spending less on the foods or the things that weren't actually contributing to the life that I wanted. Does that make sense? That's so, yes. It's so funny because I don't hate the word budget and I don't hate the word diet, but let me, I can help, I can help shift you with the word diet. So like everybody is actually on a diet. Your diet might consist of Cheetos and uh, donuts. Your diet might be salad and chicken and donuts, or your diet must, might be all, you know, povo vegetarian or your diet might be all vegan or you might, but everybody is literally on a diet. Diet is not restrictive Mm. at all. It's just what you eat. Right. And budget is actually like a very smart word, because if you're somebody on a budget, you're intelligent. (laughs) But so so I feel like like any kind of negativity you have around that word, you should totally let it go, because I think everybody actually wants to be on a budget. Everybody knows that the smart thing to do is to be on a budget, because at the end of the day, if you're on a budget, you'll end up with more money. It's just really hard to get on a budget. So I love that. I love that take, especially around the diet thing. For budget for me and for anybody else that has a hang up around the word budget, um, I prefer, and you know, it might be the same thing, but I prefer to call it a spending plan because then it's more intentional. It's not like I'm, you know, I can't spend on this. It's I'm choosing to spend on this. Yeah. And spending, I do like it because it's like definitely more positive wording. Um, Whereas if right now, if you say the word budget to me, just it, I already feel like I'm failing like I guess I'm such right, a procrastinator exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like no I know I need to get on a budget but like I'll do it later like I, pro- I procrastinate yeah. the most about money I feel like 
Well, and that's the thing, right? Like if you look at it as a spending plan, it's like giving every dollar a job. Right. I so love it. You're okay. Yes. Right. So like, you're not behind, <laughs> you just have to allocate to where you want things to go and you're being very intentional about it. And that's where the tracking comes in because then you can see these are all the things that I'm spending right now. What changes do I want to make for the next month? What do I want my spending plan to be for the next month? So it sounds like you have the most elasticity in how you spend money on food, just in general, you know, being where we are in the world I, and, you know, having other conversations with people like this is a definitely a, this is of topic. Like people don't like the way that they spend money on food, but what are other areas that when you were looking at your budget, you were like, oh, I have wiggle room there. Like if I, yeah. if I'm more conservative. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the three biggest expenses in life these days are housing, mm-hmm. food and transportation. Right. So, and I mean, you may or may not have a lot of flexibility in the housing and transportation side of right. things. Um, I'll give you a little tidbit for, for myself, right? Like what I ended up doing when I started looking at my spending plan and where all my money was going. And, you know, I'm not, I, I started out kind of nickel and diming everything, like writing everything down to the penny, just because I wanted the awareness. It doesn't mean you have to continue that forever and ever. Um, you know, even, you know, if you're looking at, at a diet, for example, right? Like you can measure everything out and have all the right portions and all that kind of stuff, but eventually you're going to be able to eyeball it. Yeah. With a lot of things, right. With practice. So with years, it takes, it takes years. Now I I know exactly what four ounces is or six ounces. I know exactly what a half cup is, but my, no, it takes, it's like 10 years of that. So yeah, (laughs) if you're listening, don't think you know what four ounces is. (laughs) No, exactly. Right. So start out with like keeping it very, very specific and and measuring things out, including with your money and it will help you. I like being meticulous. So I feel like the, and I always think you should start strong and start as detailed as possible, especially when you like are motivated about something because you're going to lose that steam. But if you already kind of put into place, no, I literally write down every set, like dollar to the cent that I'm spending on something, then that's going to be what you're going to continue to do. Even at the end of this first month, when you don't want to do it anymore, like I started this way, so I'm going to finish this way. So start strong and meticulous and as detailed as possible. Right? Yes, absolutely. Oh yes, absolutely. So what I ended up doing, like I started tracking all of my spending, all of that, looking at kind of the big things and really focusing on what do I want my life to feel like? And at the time when all of the, the shit was going down and, you know, my husband left and whatever, and I was working full time and I had this acreage property and, um, you know, just trying to survive every day basically. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of stopped and I'm like, what do I actually want my life to feel like? Because I don't want it to feel like this. So instead of focusing on what I don't want, I'm like, let's look at what do I actually want? And I wanted simplicity. I wanted things to just run automatically in the background. I wanted some systems. I wanted to not have to worry about all the little shit um, so that I would have freedom, time freedom, money freedom to do the things that I actually wanted to do. So I started like listing, what are the things that I want to do? <clears throat> I wanted to travel. I wanted to you know, show my kids the world. I, I wanted time with them, quality time, not just yelling at them. It's time to go, you know, yeah. <laughs> running out the door, all of that. I wanted less stress and more ease. And so with doing that, what I ended up, I read a book. There's a great book called Your Money or Your Life. It's by Vicki Robin. And it's, I don't know, probably 20 years old now. Um, I think she's had a couple of reprints, but 
that book changed absolutely everything for me because <laughs> I was looking at tracking my money, but then she also talks about your true hourly wage, which was a total game changer for me. So I'll just kind of explain what it was. Yes. So in my, in my corporate job, so your true hourly wage is really how much your job costs you to have it. And these are some things that you can control. So in my corporate job, say I was making $50 an hour, you know, working 2000 hours a year, which is kind of a standard year, 40 hours a week kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so at that rate, I'd be bringing in about a hundred thousand dollars a year, which to most people, that's, that's a lot of money. Like that's, you should be doing well in life. Right. Right. <laughs> Unless you live um, in California. <laughs> <laughs> so say I'm making that hundred thousand dollars a year, the $50 an hour. But then I started looking at and following along in, um, in this book, like it was inspired by your money or your life. I looked at what are all of the inputs that I have to put in, in order to make that $50 an hour. Right. So I would look at what does my actual day look like? So in the morning I would have to get up, you know, extra early to be able to get ready before the kids got up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'd wake up, you know, do my half hour, 45 minutes, whatever, shower, put on the makeup, do the hair, do all that stuff, get the kids out the door ready, you know, off to daycare. Then I'd have a half hour commute. Um, I would drive into town, stop and grab a coffee on the way in, do some work for a few hours, maybe go out for lunch with a coworker, then, you know, do some more work in the afternoon. By the end of the day, I'm fried. So I just grab whatever takeout food so I can feed my children, um, pick them up from daycare, finally, you know, get them off to bed, finally sit down, have a glass or a bottle of wine, <laughs> <laughs> sit and watch Netflix for a couple hours to escape my life, dream about this two week vacation where I actually get to live. Um, you know, all of those pieces have not only a dollar amount because, you know, you're spending money on, you know, gas for the car, insurance, all of that daycare, um, you know, the clothes, the food, all of that kind of stuff. But then that it takes to recover from that job. Oh, to have this job. We keep dro the call keeps dropping. So. Oh my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we're good now. Okay. So you, you're adding up in. all these things. You're adding up all so these yeah. things. Okay. Yes. So you're adding up all of the time it takes, all of the money that it takes in order to have that $50 an hour job. And when I looked at my typical day and all of those inputs, that $50 an hour, I was really only making 10. That's so depressing. Right? Like you can't unsee that number. Um, <laughs> so I actually have a calculator on my website, wendyverway.com. If you go there, you can download the calculator. And again, I'm sorry, you can't unsee the number, but that shifted everything for me. Once I saw that I was causing myself so much stress and anxiety around this job and, you know, like all of the bringing home the meetings and, and all of the extra work that I was doing and all of this kind of stuff for $10 an hour. I'm like, that's not worth it. What can I change? And are you saying that myself? out of that $50, $40 was always going to pay something. And so the take home in your pocket towards whatever was $10, like, 
I'm yeah. so confused about this number. So break it down for me because okay. I'm having like, a slow <laughs> moment. Okay. For sure. So when you look at the dollars that I had to spend on, you know, the work appropriate clothes on putting my kids in to daycare on, you know, having a vehicle that was going to get me a half hour each way, pay for parking insurance, all of those sorts of things, all of the things that I needed to have in order to go to that job. So that was one part of it. But then the other part is the number of hours, right? So if I was working uh, 40 hours a week and I was being paid for those 40 hours a week, but all of the other hours that it took me to get ready to go to work, that it took me to recover from work, <laughs> um, you know, the, the vacation, dreaming about all of these things, all of those hours, I wouldn't have to spend on those things if I didn't have that job. So the number of hours increases and the dollar, the, the dollars out okay. increases. Okay. I'm sure most people are just like breaking even. They're lucky. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> and I mean, you can, you can increase this. I mean, every, every job is going to have some kind of cost to it, right? Yeah. Like an opportunity cost or something like that. And again, I'm not anti-job at all, but what I ended up doing was I did like a full Marie Kondo of my entire life mm -hmm. and <laughs> I tidied shit up. Um, I had this acreage property that was supposed to be, you know, our dream home. And when my husband left, I'm like, this place is a nightmare. Like, I don't want to be here. I spend a couple hours every weekend cutting the grass and I hate it. I don't yeah. want to do that anymore. <laughs> right. Like, what is the point of having this big empty house that I don't want to be at? So ended up, um, selling the acreage and you know all of that was sorted out in the divorce and everything sold the acreage moved to a little duplex in town and at first people were like well you're a homeowner why are you renting now I'm like because then the landlord takes care of the dishwasher when it breaks and I don't have to worry about property taxes and <laughs> you know all of these extra things were just ways to simplify my life um the place that I moved it was close to work so I could walk to work I could walk my kids to the school bus um, and their bus picked them up early, which meant I didn't have to pay for before school care anymore. Um, I worked out a deal with my boss to be able to, you know, leave early or, you know, put in extra hours at home or whatever I needed to do in order to meet my kids at the school bus so that I didn't have after school care either. So by cutting out the transportation, by cutting out the daycare, um, and my kids had just reached school age when this happened. So my youngest had just started kindergarten when we moved into town. Um, cutting out those things increased my true hourly wage a ton. Oh, yeah. I didn't I mean, have to spend those things anymore. Right? Daycare is ridiculous. Preschool oh, is ridiculous. Yeah. My youngest is not of school age and I'm about to do like a big move and mm. I'm sweating because I'm like, you know, luckily the, their father is like on it and, you know, willing to do whatever it takes. But um, I'm just like sweating it because the, just the daycare alone, like I don't understand how this country like doesn't have like free preschool for everybody. It's bananas. Right. I know. It's absolutely nuts. And for me, like my my ex, he moved a couple hours away. So it was just me. I didn't have anybody else. to yeah. be like, Hey, can you take the kids? Um, any of that kind of stuff. So I totally feel you. It is very, very stressful. And especially you want a good place for your kids. You want somewhere that, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm bougie as fuck when it comes to education. I love like a Montessori outdoor play-based school or nothing. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> yeah, totally. Why wouldn't you want the best? I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but uh, like where I'm and I, I already started kind of looking where I'm going and I'm like, okay, there are options it's just a matter of like financially figuring it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and looking at, you know, what are the things that are important to you? So having, having a great space for your kids is hugely important. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to Montessori. There might be other options. There might be a fantastic, um, you know, day home where there's a grandma who loves doing that stuff with kids that just don't have the certification beside it. You know, that kind of stuff. Like there's so many ways that you can get to the same goal, the same big outcome. Um, if you get creative about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like, no, (laughs) (laughs) but again, I told you, you I'm like, I'm really bougie. (laughs) I'm really bougie about education. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm bougie about education. I'm bougie about hotel rooms. Basically that's it. That's my list. Okay. Um, Okay. So you Marie Kondo'd your life and you simplified. So that's what you're, that's the advice that you're giving is see what you're, see what you're spending and then see where you can cut. So when we look at spending, like, you know, if you get your, your month full of expenses and you look at, you know, what have I spent money on? Um, so I'll tell you about the three questions that I ask that I, I tell clients to ask. So the first question, you know, when you're looking at your spending categories, you know, if you're looking at your food or your daycare or transportation, whatever it happens to be, look at each one and ask yourself, does this align? Does, does this expense provide me with the fulfillment, satisfaction, and value in accordance to how much I spent on it? Right. So think about like a bottle of wine, for example, (laughs) you know, do you, out of a super bougie bottle even starbucks as an example you know i will spend eight bucks on a latte occasionally but i'm looking at why i'm doing it to buy i used to stop for a coffee every morning on the way into work because it was a habit it was just that thing that everybody did right? You know, you get the cup that everybody recognizes. It has my name on it. Um, it has all of the, the tweaks that I wanted. It's exactly what I wanted. And then I walk into work and I, you know, maybe chug it back or I'll drink it cold later because I was too busy or whatever, but it's just been a habit. Whereas now, yeah, I'll go to Starbucks, but I'll probably sit in the Starbucks for an hour and use their Wi-Fi, maybe use their bathroom and, you know, meet a client or meet a friend um, and actually enjoy the experience. And I'm totally fine spending eight bucks on a coffee. So I, I feel like, and I just, I have to say this because I feel like I'm, I'm more concerned. I'm you're, you're a woman who was successful, had a great job, well-educated. You're making a hundred thousand dollars a year when you did this transition. But like, what about the mom that like is already not having a Starbucks coffee? What about the mom that's like, just trying to get on her feet after a divorce and you know she's like just not re-entering the workforce and she's starting from nothing like do you have advice for someone coming from that space because I know other single moms and it's like you know some you're checking your account before you're going through McDonald's drive-through 
because you just want to make sure that you have $19. Do you know what I mean? Like, is there, is there advice for somebody who's like literally starting from the bottom and is like coming from a place of fear and maybe doesn't have that kind of wiggle room? Yeah. Well, and it still comes back to look at where you're spending, look at where your money is going. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and the examples, they were things that happened in my life. And I, I came up from nothing. (laughs) Just, just so you know, I didn't have a fancy university education. I started as a secretary and worked my way up through, through the ranks of this corporate. I'm not discrediting how you got where you went, but I am saying like, you actually exited your marriage despite it ending in a terrible way. You exited your marriage, like with a leg up, you know, as opposed to some women that maybe were just stay at home moms or wives. And like, they have to figure out how to be single moms and support their kids. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, but it still comes back to looking at, you know, knowing your numbers, knowing where your money is going, where it's coming in Mm -hmm. from, what, what do you have? What are you working with from the very beginning? Right. Like if, um, you know, and what are the big things that you want? Like, obviously you need to feed your family. You need to have shelter for them. Um, you need to have some kind of cash flow happening, right? Like all of these sorts of things. So even just tracking, just writing it down, where is this coming from? So that you're not always in fear, right? So that you just know you have an idea, right? So little, little, little tiny things like what, what are you, what are you paying on your bills? You know, can you call, can you call the, the electrical company and see, are there any deals? Can you call the cable company, your Wi-Fi, um, your cell phone provider, all of these kinds of things and talk to them and just ask, you know, do you have any kind of discounts or, you know, shop around. I'm, I'm looking at this other company and they're willing to offer me this and just start picking away little, little bits at a time, wherever you can on, on these things that you don't actually need to pay for. But unless you know what you're paying for, you don't know where you can cut any of those. True. Okay. So we're tracking, then we're getting as simple as possible. All right. And seeing how we can cut down every little aspect of our life, wherever there is any kind of room we're going to cut down. And then after that, how do we start building wealth? Well, so again, looking at um, a spending plan kind of all together, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've got your tracking, you're looking at this stuff, you've asked yourself the question, um, you know, did this expense provide what I expected? You know, and even if that's your cell phone bill, if it's your Netflix account, if it's, <laughs> um, you know, whatever it happens to be, is it that $19 at McDonald's? And you can just start asking yourself those questions. And it's not in a, in a place of judgment. It's just awareness. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I spent this money. That's what it was what do I want to do next time? Do I want to do that more? Do I want to do that less? Do I want to stop that completely? Um, right. So that's the first question is, is the value, you know, did this provide the value that I wanted? Um, the second question is around, did this, um, how does this align with my life purpose and values, right? Like what do I actually want? So for me going to McDonald's and actually seeing how much money I was spending at McDonald's or whatever fast food place, I was like, I want to be strong and healthy because I need to be healthy for my kids. Cause if I'm not healthy, that's going to cost me a hell of a lot more money. Yeah. <laughs> right. Between all kinds of different things. Um, so spending that much money on junk food is not contributing to this healthy life that I say I want to have. So again, it's not judgment, it's awareness. It's just looking at, okay, so what can I change? Well, maybe 
I will spend more on groceries or I'll go to the discount grocery store or, you know, like I don't need the name brand of the thing. I just need more, you know, generic rice or like whatever. It you really do save money shifts. buying your own groceries. The caveat is that you have to actually eat the groceries that you buy and exactly. like yes. meal prepping <laughs> and things like that, where you batch cook, like, amounts of meat or pasta or whatever and then you repurpose them so you use them for one thing for the beginning of the week and another thing like three days later kind of a thing like all these things you do actually save money if you take the time to do it it's just a matter of like making Sunday your shopping and your food prep day and setting yourself up for the week and like committing to the lifestyle of the health but also the saving money (laughs) Absolutely. And it comes right back to the same idea of a spending plan, right? Like you're spending your time Mm -hmm. in specific ways. I'd rather spend my time meal prepping on a Sunday than every day at 530 looking at the fridge thinking, what the hell am I going to feed my kids? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Right? It's the same kind of concept. Um, Again, doing the boring things to have a sexy life. When you can get rid of some of those decisions and just make them seamless, um, it makes life so much easier. So yeah, so that was the second question, really looking at how does whatever it is that I'm spending, whether it's time, money, energy, what am I spending this on? And is it aligning with what I actually want my life to feel like? Um, And if it's not, then that's where you get to make a change. Like you're in control of that. Okay. Okay. So after that. Um, So then after that, so then looking at, you know, the whole wealth building and all of that Mm -hmm. is looking at it from. The third question, which is, how would this expense change if I didn't have to work for a living? Go on. Okay. So (laughs) when, again, when I was looking at the whole Marie Kondo of my life, you know, I, I had this big house that I didn't love. I mean, it was, it was fancy and yeah, it was one of those things I could tell people, oh, I live here but I didn't care. I didn't like any of those people anyway. So why yeah. was I trying to impress them? Um, you know, I didn't have to have a, a car that could commute long distances. Um, I didn't have to spend money on a lot of fancy clothes if I wasn't working in, you know, an office in a big city and all of that kind of stuff because I didn't have to fit in with, with that whole life right? Like if, if I didn't have to work for a living, what would I do? And like I said, at the very beginning, it wouldn't be around sitting on the couch or golfing every day or whatever. Um, I'd still have to live, right? Like I still do laundry. I still clean my house. I still (laughs) do all of these things. I don't live a very fancy lifestyle. Um, but I also didn't need to spend money on all of the things that I thought I did. Got you. So you decided to not to quote unquote retire and do your own thing, your own coaching. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and so it took a little while to get there too. Like I, you know, I was in my corporate job and I knew that I wanted to make a change. I knew that like the life that I was living was not sustainable (laughs) for me. But once I made the shift, once I made the shift in my mind, I didn't even say anything to anybody outside. I'm like, I'm going to retire from this corporate job by what did I, what was my promise card? I wrote it down by December 31st, 2020. And I had no idea how that was going to happen, but I knew that was my intention. Um, and well, I wrote first that- of all, even though I have like completely different goals and dreams than you, I do mm-hmm. want to commend you for 
setting a goal and seeing it through and making it work for you because you sound like you're very happy and you're very content with the life that you chose and you did the work to get yourself there. And I think that by itself is incredibly motivating. I (laughs) like fancy things. (laughs) I like to get Botox and um, facials and I want to like go on trips and I want like I, I, the lifestyle that I desire is, I feel like it's not as simple as the one that you like. And so I'm like, how do I get from A to D? Do you know what I mean? And go through this divorce and financially make that happen for myself. Absolutely. Well, again, like, look at why are those things important to you? They make me happy, like Wendy. Okay. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) And again, I would never, I don't judge anybody on anything that they're purchasing. I just want them to be true and authentic to themselves yes same you know right so for for myself and again I live a very simple life like when I decided I was gonna leave the corporate job I didn't know how it was gonna happen or when or whatever like I didn't have you know I don't have an inheritance I don't have (laughs) anything major happening Uh, I didn't get a big settlement in the divorce or anything like that um and so I ended up, I stayed at the, the rental place for about a year. And again, it's like, what can I do temporarily to make sure that I have the life that I want down right. the road? Right. So don't think, in, big... don't think in like long-term think like, I'm going to, I'm going to live simply right now. I'm going to downsize right now and kind of have yeah. start at a base. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So yeah, I had this rental place for about a year. And then I was finally, I was in a position where I could buy my own home. And that was scary <laughs> because I'd never owned my own home before. I don't know how to fix anything. Um, but I worked with a realtor who was wonderful. He took me under his wing and we looked at all kinds of different places, but I knew I wanted my house to pay for itself. So I looked for a place that had rental income or the option of rental income. And so I found this little house. And we looked at lots and lots of places. Um, a lot of them had like a basement suite, which I have little kids. They're boys. They're stompy. So I didn't want a basement suite because I yeah. knew, <laughs> I'd be yelling at them all the time to be quiet. And that's not fun for anybody. And also it's like very directors. unappealing to be like, hey, do you want to stay in my basement suite? Like, Right. Exactly. So I found this little house and it's perfect. It's, you know, in the same area that I love to be in. I can walk lots of places. I mean, I still do have a car and all that, but it's attached. The suite is at the back of my house. So it's like a one bedroom apartment. It's fully self-enclosed or separate. Um, And so I put it on Airbnb. So my house pays for itself. So my rental income pays for my mortgage. So I get to live. Okay. I love this idea. I think this is like one of the best things that you've said in this podcast, because this is (laughs) a fantastic idea. Yeah. Like there's so many hacks that you can do in life. Um, Right. And so I've had, I've been in this house for four years now. Um, and I think it's only been vacant maybe two weeks. Oh, wow. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've had some really good renters, but again, it's like looking at, do I want a long-term renter? Do I want a short-term? And I, I have a mix of both. I'm not committed to either, <laughs> which is kind of nice too, right? Like try something out and see how it works. If it's not working, tweak something. Right. Um, right. So just having my house pay for itself through rental income that meant yeah I still had the corporate job at the time but I'm like I don't actually need that much money from that corporate job because I have the income supplement in other places 
right? Mm-hmm. And then I started to learn about investing in the stock market. I knew nothing about investing. I don't have a financial background whatsoever. Um, but I grew up scrappy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And I grew up frugal and I know how to learn things. Um, and so I took some courses and I, I learned online and I met some people and I, um, I learned how to invest in the stock market. What are some resources that we can give people so that they can start educating themselves on this? Because for me, this is like number one, like I want to learn how to invest because I understand that like, even if you commit to investing a small amount every month, as long as you're investing in the right way, it will pay off. I just feel like I have a lot of fear with this because I'm not educated in it. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I help people with, right? Like looking at, they're just numbers. Numbers don't have to be scary. Um, and the stock market and the whole financial system is built to be scary so that people are afraid to join it so that you'll pay somebody else to do it for you. Mm. Right. But it's, it's not actually that scary once you start looking at it. So, um, anything. So I have a, I have a masterclass on my website. It's called vote with your dollars. Okay. It's all about, um, teaching people that you're already an investor no matter what you're doing. Like if you shop at Costco, why not invest in Costco stock? Instead of, you know, not even not instead, but in addition to, you know, you're already shopping there. So you're already investing in that product or that service or that company. Right. So um, this masterclass kind of talks about how to, how to switch that focus um, and gives you some good, um, good things to look out for. Like if you're going to look at a company, do I actually want to invest in this company? Does it align with what I want to see in the world? All of that kind of stuff. Um, so that's available on my website, but um, your money or your life, the book that I mentioned mm-hmm. at the beginning is a great one. There's another, book I wrote it down this. as you were talking. Okay. I'm like, Oh yeah. I'll put, that, I'll put that in my, on my Amazon to read list. <laughs> put it in there. So my podcast is called fire yourself first. It's financial. Mm-hmm. So fire is the acronym for financial independence, retire early. There's a whole movement of people. There's choose FI. There's all kinds of, of resources out there. If you just look up fire um, in caps, <laughs> there's, you know, shows on Netflix, all about it, all of that kind of stuff. But there's a book that a lot of people in, in those groups talk about. It's called the simple path to wealth. And it talks about index funds. So if you have, you know, however much money a month that you want to put into an index fund, that's, that's a fairly safe way to go. And then your, index your money is fund. in the market. Writing it index down, fund. Wendy. Index yes. fund. Okay. okay. <laughs> Not mutual funds, index funds. Um, but yeah, just making that kind of stuff accessible to people because it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be scary. And you put out free content educating people on this on your podcast. Yeah, on the podcast. That's amazing. Uh, on my Instagram. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Like it's it's a lot simpler than people make it out to be. And again, when you're so sort of um, trapped in fear, it makes it really hard to make decisions. But once you start writing some stuff down, if you've got your spending plan and you know where all your money is supposed to go and then you have a little bit extra, that's where you throw it into investing into something well it's just so funny to me because so like i'll i follow these instagram accounts and mm-hmm. instagram is basically my bible like i get all my news and information off instagram <laughs> but, right. but um so i follow this account and it was saying the other day that it was like you know, they i'm sure you've seen it it's like these formulaic reels and it's the one mm-hmm. that i was watching was like if you and your partner each invest 534 dollars in a mm. ira 
uh, and you do this every month for X amount of years, then in 10 years, you'll have $10 million. It's like something like that. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, well, I'll clearly save because (laughs) I want to do this. (laughs) But also it's like, I don't necessarily have $534 every month to put in for 10 years. Like that sounds crazy to me where I'm at in my life right now, because that's a car payment, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. So you're, if you have $20, you can do yes, it, right? Like, that feels yeah. tangible. That feels like something yeah. I could do and like commit to. Yeah. And so to do that, and it's so, so much simpler now than it ever has been before. You know, the internet has, it's done a lot of great things. <laughs> it's been able to kind of democratize the financial system for people, you know, the everyday people that just want to be in the game and be able to build some wealth. All you have to do is open a brokerage account. Okay. Okay. So a brokerage account, you can, there's a lot, you can probably find them through whatever bank you're in. Um, There's like Quest Trade is one. I'm trying to think of others. I'm in Canada, so we have some different ones. But if you just look up brokerage account or discount brokerage account, you can do it all online. You don't even have to go to a bank. And from there, once you open that account, it'll ask you some questions about you know your your income and your goals and all of that kind of stuff and so just answer the questions and then you can start putting some money in and then once it's in the brokerage account you can buy stocks you can buy index funds you can buy whatever is available and you have to do it like every month by a certain date or can you put money in there and not touch it like how does that work it's completely up to you you could set it up so that it's, you know, a monthly pre-authorized debit kind of thing. You could do it, you know, I'm going to put in 10 bucks today and I'll put in 30 bucks when I get paid next week. Um, I find for most people, setting it and forgetting it is good yeah. <laughs> because then they'll actually do it, right? So you can set up, you know, a pre-authorized kind of a thing where, you know, on the first of every month or the 15th or whatever, um, you're buying into it, but you just need to look at what funds do you want to buy into or what company or whatever. Um, and again, that's where the vote with your dollars thing kind of helps because it helps you look at, well, what companies do I actually want to invest in <laughs> um, and get to those answers. And then you can just start doing it. You've got it set up. So you need to have a brokerage account. Got you. Um, and then you're going to choose yeah. an index fund. Yeah. Okay. See, already, this sounds complicated. I don't know. But you're saying that (laughs) if I were to find an index fund that I liked, okay, then just simply putting in 20 bucks on the first of every month is like a great way to get started. Like, I don't have to overthink it. That's fine. No. Yeah, you don't have to overthink it at all. all. So an index fund is basically, it's a grouping of a whole bunch of companies um, on the stock market. And it's like fractional shares of all of them. Mm -hmm. So if you had, say you had $20 a month that you were going to put in. So the first month you put $20 in and the, the index fund is at, you know, $10 a share, right? So mm-hmm. on the first month you're buying two shares and then the stock market goes down and now the price is $5. And so you're thinking, oh no, I've just lost all this money, but no, really it's on sale. So now the next month you're putting in your $20, but you're getting four shares instead of two because the price is $5. Now. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. And then the next month, the price might go up. So you only get one and a half shares, but by your, it's called dollar cost averaging. 
So over time, you know, if you're putting in $20 every month, you're just getting a different number of shares and that's how you're growing the shares. If you have more money to put in, great. <laughs> but if you don't, you just keep just keep steady doing something because money in the market is going to be better than trying to like time the right pricing and all of that. So you just leave it in there indefinitely? You leave it in there until you need to use it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you, <laughs> and having a time frame is good. It's not necessary necessarily like you. And I don't know all of the rules in the U S around like IRAs, yeah. Roth IRAs and all of that kind of stuff. But if you can, you can open a brokerage account that has, that you can invest money within those tax sheltered things. So in Canada, we have one, it's called a tax-free savings account. We have a registered retirement savings plan. Um, so it's similar to the IRA and Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. So if I'm putting stuff in there, um, you know, in my tax-free savings account, I can put in the money and then it grows and I don't have to pay any capital gains tax on that. I can take it out whenever I want um, and I'm not penalized. If I put it into the other one, um, I can only take out so much per year and then I have to pay taxes on it and that kind of stuff. But it doesn't have to be complicated. Like if you're, if you're with 20 bucks a month, just, just start and you can worry about, you know, which account is it going to be in and all that kind of stuff later. Cause I see everywhere I look, I see Roth IRA and I'm like, do I need a Roth IRA? Like, why don't I have one? I feel like it's a very adulty thing and I'm supposed to have it and I don't have one. <laughs> It's a good thing to look into, right? Like just do some research, just Google it, um, you know, look at some Instagram accounts, wherever it is that you, that you get your information, even looking at, you know, what does my bank offer? Um, what do these different brokerage accounts offer? What is the IRA? All of that. And again, I don't have all of the, the ins and outs on the US side. Right, right. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to say anything wrong <laughs> about how to manage them, but yeah, I mean taxes. That's a huge. That's a huge area of focus. Um, right. Like, see how much you're, you're going to be taxed on what you're putting into these accounts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the same thing. You know, with with investment funds. You know, you'll you'll see people. You'll see all kinds of wealth managers and and um, investing groups where you know you pay for your money to be managed for you, which is fine if you want to be completely hands off. But you need to be aware of how much you're spending in fees in order for that person to manage that money for you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not in a place. Time. I'm not in a place where <laughs> someone's going to be managing my money. Even like, right. <laughs> even if I am to like hit my financial goals, I think I still want to be the one handling it. I just don't want to live in a fear-based place where like, I'm afraid to invest because I'm not educated. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's exactly. definitely like on my list of, of things that I want to accomplish this year. Even I, I, I have my, a personal goal that I have, not a resolution, but a personal goal is like, I really do <laughs> want to educate myself on, and I just started, but like, you know, the yeah. stock market and how to invest and how to be smart and really kind of thinking about those things that I never, I always kind of thought about them, but I never really took yeah. action on them. And now I'm like, no, I, I need to take action on this. Well, I'm going to challenge you then, mm. Kristen. I want you to open a brokerage account. Okay. Just open a brokerage account, even if you never put a dollar into it. Okay, I'll do it. You have my word. <laughs> and like, look out, find one. Open up.
And then you'll be able to see, you know, what do you know? What do you not know? What do you need to still investigate? Do you feel comfortable with this company, uh, you know, with this account? Um, and just get an idea of what do you need to do? You know, like put in the mechanics, linking it to your bank account so you can do that automatic transfer. Um, just getting used to it, getting so that you can invest. No, I love it. I love this challenge. I'm down. Game on, Wendy. Right. Okay, so excellent. Um, as we are, as I, as we kind of wrap up here, I always ask my guests, as the name of the podcast is, what not to do, to give a little tidbit of advice to the listener of something not to do or to stop doing. Um, what What are some words that you'd like to leave the the audience? Oh, what not to do? Stop. Oh, how do I want to put this? I spent a lot of time thinking that I wasn't smart enough to be able to manage my own money or, you know, like when I grew up, it was, well, you don't have to learn anything about money because you're going to get married and your husband will do it. Well, my husband didn't know anything about money either. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Because I didn't have a fancy university education because, you know, I didn't grow up in the financial world because my, my family wasn't well off doesn't mean I'm not smart enough. We are all smart enough. So get out of the idea that you can't take control of your money because you definitely, definitely can. Yeah. Don't think you're too stupid to manage your own money. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's your money. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. luckily for me, like my ex-husband or soon to be ex-husband is so complicated, but um, he, I do actually, this is like one area that I really do like trust him in is finances. Mm. So I'm really lucky that way, but like, it's my own personal goal that, you know, as, as I want to do this on my own, like, I want to do this for me. This is, and this is something like, I feel like anything in your life that you have a really weird relationship, you have an avoidant relationship with it. Right. And so Mm. many of my Mm -hmm. clients, what's their avoidant relationship with? Well, getting in control of their body. Like that, and that's a that's yeah. a really big one for people. I saw your Instagram. You have no issues with this, but a lot of people, okay, <laughs> now <laughs> a lot of people, it's like this is the one thing that they avoid. And you know, whenever back in the day when I would just be training clients back, to, I'd have people you know come in for consultations and they want to work with me, and you know, it's it feels initially like a big investment because you're paying a trainer mm-hmm. a certain amount of. Um, you know, money an hour and you're seeing them multiple times a week. And I've, you know, I'm also a nutritionist. So I, that was included in the lump sum. And so it's like your monthly bill towards me is mm-hmm. kind of high, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I'd always be like, and you know, I'd have to kind of watch myself, but in it, without saying this, this is somebody who's, you know, in trapped in their own body. They don't, they, they're, yeah. they're putting on clothes. They don't like, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're not liking they're, they feel weak. They can't chase after their kids. They just, they don't feel sexy. It's like they're, you know, and it's the whole thing, the whole thing. Yep. And yet they'll oh, yeah. spend $600 a month to get in and out of their car. Right. And there you get out of your car and you close the door and you walk away. You can't get out of your body. And it's like this, yeah. you know, they'll go to their work and they'll put in the hours and they'll make sure their hair is done and they'll make sure their nails are done and they'll make sure that they have the best birthday parties for their kids. And this is all things that they, they, they basically, they, they can control 
And so they, they control, they can control. And so they put their energy into it because they're not insecure about these things that they can control. But the one thing that they can't control their body, it's like they're hesitant on and they're avoidant of, you know, getting help for it and hiring somebody for it. And you kind of run from that thing that you're fearful of and that you're insecure about. And so I know for me personally, it's money. It's always been money. And you know, I've done so much work in like manifesting and things like that and trying to heal my relationship with money. But what I'm really kind of the conclusion that I've come to is like, for me, it's always comes back to education. And if I take the time to actually like educate myself on something, that's when I become empowered, but I have to like take the time and do it, you know? Absolutely. And I just wanted to share with you and with any of your listeners. So if any of the things that I've said, you know, talking about brokerage accounts and index funds and all that, if all of that sounded like Japanese to you, um, it's okay. Because I didn't know any of that stuff like five years ago. Well, right? it's also like your you job you're, you're, all of this. right now. You're just being a, you're just being awesome. And you're being a guest on my podcast and you're, <laughs> you're planting a seed. Do you know what I mean? And like, for me, yeah. I'm taking copious notes over here because I'm really, I'm in a place where I want to take action. Right. But Absolutely. somebody else might just be listening to this and they'll be like, they'll remember the words and then they'll kind of forget them. And then this will kind of rise back up at a later point when they're ready for it. And they're in a place on their, in their life when they're like ready to do it. And I'm going to put all the links to your information in the show notes per usual. And all people need to do is give a little click to your Instagram account. And then when they're ready, they can tune into your podcast or send you a question. Do you know, like this is how it works. Yep. But I just wanted to, you know, like what I'm trying to put out to the world too is just inspire people. It's the whole like, well, if she can do it, so can I, because I literally came from nowhere. You know, I don't have a financial background. I I haven't been spoon fed all of this kind of stuff. It's it's really just bootstrapping, figuring shit out. Um, and I've built this life that I love by doing the hard things, by doing the the boring things, um, to have this sexy life and. And it's so accessible to everybody, to all of you. Yes, I love that. Let's leave people on this high note here. <laughs> if Wendy can do it, you can do it. But, you know, yes. I, but, but I really don't adhere to that. I really do think like, you know, it, it, you don't, don't, you, you got to be a certain kind of special to decide on something and then take yourself to that place. And that's what you did. So don't discount that. Not everybody could do what you did. It's that you decided what you wanted and now you're going to help people who have also made that decision to like make it happen for themselves, which is beautiful. Um, Okay, Wendy, thank you so much for coming on today. I've so enjoyed talking with you. Um, Hope to have you back as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tristan. This was great. Thank you. Okay, bye, hon. You're unbelievable. This has been the What Not To Do podcast. To keep up with the latest podcast news, follow along on our Instagram page at whatnottodopc. Be a doll, would you? Don't forget to like, follow, and share this podcast.
You're unbelievable.